Hi guys, and welcome back to Paranormal Hotline. My name's Kaylee, and I'm joined by my co-host Michael. Hey. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good, you? I'm good. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I just I, I just thought I'd ask for the podcast <laughs> listeners' sake, because like, we keep getting emails asking if you're alright, and you always sound so sad. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? You don't know how much energy it took to say hi, and you're just making it so much worse for me. Anyways, uh, on this week's episode, I wanted to cover some spooky ghost stories because it's coming up to Christmas and what's more festive than a good ghost story? But no, in all honesty, it actually used to be a tradition for families to sit around a Yule log fire and tell ghost stories at Christmas time. So it to, actually used to be to a tradition. Be fair, like, they didn't have tellies or radio or shit, so I assume they told ghost stories most nights. Yeah, I mean, it sounds weird, like, for us, that ghost stories would be commonplace. But, like, if you actually look at old Christmas stories and stuff, they all feature, most of them feature ghosts anyway. Like, Christmas Carol's got three of them. It actually has four of them. <laughs> and that's probably the most prominent one, but that one came about because people would sit around and tell ghost stories. Like, this is something I've been meaning to kind of go into for a while. So, on this week's episode, we're going to be reading out a few real-life ghost stories that all take place around war. So, they all have something to do with war. Um... I've heard numerous stories that have taken place during wars, and they've always sent like, they're always particularly creepy. I don't know what it is. Do you ever notice that ghosts that die at war are always helpful? They are, usually, but I think the thing is, when somebody dies in war, they don't realize they're dead. They're just still alive. Because it's so sudden? Yeah, it's literally like, they just, there's just so much, like, God knows how much, like, uh, PTSD comes from war and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, like I remember one of the first go- military ghost stories I heard when I was a kid was um, somebody who was uh, navigating a tank and they were going across a minefield, but there was a guy in front of them who was showing them the way the entire way across because he knew where the path was for the oh, tanks yeah, to go yeah, through. Yeah, I think I've heard one like this before. Yeah, I-, I don't know where it came from. I couldn't find the source for it, but I remember hearing it before when I was when I was very young. Could have been in a book or something. But um, they got to the other side then and they went got out of the tank to, to thank the guy. <laughs> No. <laughs> and it turned out that he had died a couple of hours or days beforehand, so he, he was actually dead. Yeah, I've heard once then it's like, oh, um, we were getting shot at from somewhere and our captain pointed out where the sniper was and it turned out he had been shot like two hours beforehand and shit like that. The sniper or the captain? The captain pointed, the captain was dead, and but his ghost pointed out the sniper. Okay, thank God, because a ghostly sniper sounds like the worst fucking shit. Imagine if the Scooby-Doo gang had to go against that. Like a sniper, (laughs) a sniper phantom. Harry Harry Oswald. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so like it's a really sad picture of a soldier like dying in a war and then spending their afterlife just reliving those moments over and over. There's something kind of sad about that. Um, All right, so let's move on to the first story. So have you ever heard of Gettysburg? In the US? Yes and no. Like, I know what the Getty... I've heard of the Gettysburg heard the name. address, but like... Yeah. That's um, it. Well, it's a little town that was the site of the bloodiest and arguably the most important battle in the Civil War in America, which turned the tides in favour of the Union forces. Um, however, both sides of the battle took enormous losses with like an estimated... Estimated because bodies back then just tended to... Go in a hole... Yeah, pretty much. So between like 46 and 51,000 people were wounded, killed or went missing in a three-day battle. 
the Battle of Gettysburg was one of the most gruesome chapters in, in the United States history. It was the little town was used for on both sides as like hospitals. So nearly every building has some link to this battle that happened for three days. I do have to say though, like they had some vigor in them. If it did that much damage in three days. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Especially because, like, when you think it takes like twenty minutes to reload one of those guns. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> they must have been going mental. <laughs> Although they did like, like, for medicine, they gave people like meth and shit. So. That's true. So they were just jacked up for three days. They probably didn't die getting shot. They probably just overdosed. <laughs> Um, so I've seen Gettysburg being investigated numerous times on like paranormal investigation shows and stuff. Do you know what would really suck? Imagine being like a reenactor for the Civil War or something and then you die and your ghost goes there and you have to spend the rest of your afterlife explaining to people, no, you're just a reenactor. <laughs> That's a fair point. This story happened in a place called the Devil's Den. It's one of the most important areas of the battle where a lot of men met their end. It was roughly 35,000 of them died just in this one massive area. Well, it's not even a massive area. It's pretty small. It's just a jagged rock formation. Um, and it's often used for the war reenactments. So it's kind of like, it's just a jagged rock formation. That's It looks like a field with rocks sticking out of it, basically. Okay, that sounds weird. It is weird. It's very strange, but it's literally called the Devil's Den, if you want to take a look at it or anything. This story comes from a Harrisburg Telegraph article dating back to 1939. It tells the story of a man driving along in his car when he noticed two uniformed soldiers carrying rifles and walking on the side of the road. So the man pulled over to them and noticed their uniforms were like quite old. The fellow asked the two men if they needed help. They replied that their friend was injured and indeed needed assistance. The soldier prompted the man to follow them to a nearby tree, which was propping up another one of the uniformed soldiers. This one was dying from a severe wound, chest wound. Panicked, the man said he'd get help and frantically drove down to the nearest gas station. Upon telling the cashier that he had just what he had just witnessed, he was told not to bother and that the soldiers wouldn't be there when he returned. Apparently this happened to many folks who just passing by through the area back then. So it was common enough that when he went down to the petrol sta- uh, to the gas station, he was like, don't bother going back. It just happens, you know? I think that's really, <laughs> really like weird. It's not worth your time. It's just goats. Do you think, like, the guy there was just as freaked out, but he was like, I can't let the guy know, I need to look cool? <laughs> I don't think so. I think, I think, if, if it was me and I was in that petrol, or if I was in that gas station and I didn't, hadn't heard that story before, I would just assume that a, a reenactor had a loaded gun and accidentally shot one of his friends. Yeah, like, I'd still call an ambulance yeah. just in case. You'd have to, to. To just say, like, oh, don't, don't bother. I'd have to go back and check, though, if I was the guy. Yeah, like what if that guy was just like drunk or something, didn't want the police showing up to the gas station? He's like, yeah, it's just, it's just a ghost. It's just and a ghost. Like, Fair enough. And your man back the tree is like, where the hell is he? <laughs> That's really shit. Maybe I should check check and see if anyone in 1939 died in a reenactment. <laughs> yeah, but like, there was also like a war going on at the time. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that is very true. Different uniforms, though. Yeah, unrelated to the war, there was also a terrifying orphanage uh, in Gettysburg that with some like really horrible stuff that happened and some really weird ghosts. Uh, do you want to hear about that? It's a bit of a side yes. trip, but I thought it was really creepy. <laughs> so in 1866, a proper on Baltimore Street in Gettysburg was bought with the intention of founding an orphanage. Yeah, it would be on most of the walking tours in Gettysburg. You'd pass by this orphanage, especially there's an awful lot of paranormal walking tours in Gettysburg too. 
I wouldn't be surprised with all the people that are meant to have died by there. Yeah, there's a lot. And there's a lot of... Um, there's not much footage, but there's an awful lot of EVPs that come out of Gettysburg. Um, so, <laughs> Is there like fiber underneath the main street? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, sometime in the 1870s, Dr. Burns brought in a Mrs. Rosa Carmichael as the new matron. Um, nothing is known about of her before or after being at the homestead. It was, the homestead is what they called the orphanages back then. So in 1873, rumors of neglect and abuse began to circulate. She even went so far as to utilize the home's basement as a dungeon. The dungeon was used <laughs> to discipline unruly children. Fucking Miss Trunchbull. Honestly, it's crazy. It has been reported that Carmichael actually went as far as to chain the children in her care to the walls of the basement. <laughs> like, at what point is it? Like, at what point does that seem like a rational idea? It's crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> that's like, a, it's just, it's nuts. Imagine having this town that's already like, it's already got a really bloody history. Like, imagine some of these kids, their parents died in the war. You know, most of the children were orphaned because of the war. And then having a woman who will discipline you by chaining you to the basement wall. What a fucking life. That's awful. That's pure <laughs> awful. What are they going to do? Tell their parents. Jesus. Um, yeah, so over the years, tours have been made available to the public in order to allow them to walk through the orphanage, um, resulting in reports of sightings from both guests and tour guides. Most stories consist of hearing clanging of chains against the basement walls. Some have said they've witnessed the ghostly apparition of a small boy who appears from the shadows to the basement corner, only to quickly vanish. And there are numerous ghost stories from Gettysburg. It really is like a hub for the paranormal. Um, I wonder if it's some kind of like, if there's some kind of ley line or something going through Gettysburg. Yeah, because like, there's usually like, whenever there's something weird that happens in like a specific area yeah people always manage to tie it to something like ley lines or something like that yeah but there always is like those areas where there's just a extremely dense history of horrible things that happen in this that one spot um but honestly like i could do a whole episode on gettysburg but let's move on to another story so this one takes place on a chilly November day in 1944, when an anti-aircraft crew stationed in Belgium saw a large plane coming towards them. This one is strange. I straight up cannot explain this story. It baffles me. <laughs> I think I might have heard this already. Possibly. I'll read it out anyway. So the RAF unit recognized the plane as an American B-17, the so-called Flying Fortress. So it's a big plane. Um, the sighting was strange because the landing gear was down and the plane was coming in fast. There was no landing scheduled, and so the men on the ground assumed that the plane was making an emergency landing. Uh, they were correct, but the reason for the emergency landing was something they never expected. The plane landed and looked largely intact, so it was a really rough a bouncy landing. And it was clear to the men on the ground that something was wrong with the whole situation, as the plane nearly clipped a wing before coming to a stop in the open field. So it didn't land softly. It just kind of thumped Tumped. to the ground. <laughs> so for 20 minutes, no one approached the plane, like waiting for the crew to come out and explain what had happened. But finally, those on the ground got restless and decided to approach the plane, even as the engines continued to roar. When the hatch opened, the silence within the plane was more deafening than the roar of the engines. There was no crew. 
Not a single person was found on the plane, but there was evidence that a crew had been on the plane recently. There were half-eaten candy bars and a navigator's code book with the colour of the date, so it had been used that day. Even more mysterious were the neatly packed parachutes, enough for an entire crew completely untouched. Whatever had happened, it looked at first that the crew had completely vanished and that the plane had just landed itself. So, somebody at the site reported seeing somebody in the driver's seat of the plane as well. That there was a bloody crew member in the, in the cockpit. But when it landed, there was nobody in the plane. Wait, how did he see? Uh, you just see, they just saw it while it was landing. They just see somebody in the cockpit. Oh, through the window. Yeah, yeah. It couldn't have landed like that without somebody steering it, is the thing. It would have been impossible. Yeah, because I've been getting into like air disasters lately. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I just I heard about one really cool one, which I made to look at another one. I just kind of fell down a rabbit hole, and like yeah, it's insanely hard to land a plane at the best of times. Yeah, yeah, and it just the, for a plane to come to a stop like that with the landing gear down, it's just it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so everyone who was there was quite spooked. Um, one of the theories was that the crew thought the plane was going to crash and just jumped out when they were overseas or something like that. But why wouldn't they take the parachutes? Yeah, that makes no sense. And the food food was there, so they definitely were. There was somebody in it. Very strange. That one, it's weird, right? Do they still have the plane? Uh, I don't know. I assume it's been dismantled. It was. This was a while back. <laughs> yeah, because like, when they break those down, they basically either let them rot or recycle them. So if they recycle them, there could be some kind of like voodoo planes going around. Yeah, that's true. All right, so this next one, this next one takes place in Vietnam, and I have actually heard this one before, but you might not have heard it. So Marines in Vietnam would often try to recruit locals to help them, to help guide them through an area of operations. So they just get a local who knows the terrain, knows the forests and stuff to help them. In some areas, however, the locals were fearful of going into the dense, darkest part of the jungle. The reason they found was the local superstition that phantoms called Ma, just M-A, occupied the trees there. That's a weird name. It's just like Yeah, I didn't want to say anything because I thought you were in the middle of a sentence, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Ma. (laughs) Ma, get out of the trees. Like for anybody who's not Irish, Ma is just like the default thing you would call your mother in Ireland. Like if you're hungry and you're sitting down playing the PlayStation and you want her to bring you some food, you'd just be like, Ma. Ma. Sorry, I was just thinking of that fucking video. Ma'am, get me some cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> the locals warned the US troops that reanimated corpses awaited them in the trees. The Marines, of course, like shrugged the stories off as folklore because they're Americans and they were like, there's no such thing, you know? We're going to wander in through the trees anyway. Uh, so starting in 1965, it became very real. American troops in the jungles of the Viet- of Vietnam began reporting ghostly figures moving supernaturally through the trees. Other reported fanged creatures with black eyes that would try to kidnap and consume unsuspecting troops. In one encounter, the beast was found to be bulletproof. So they had actually shot at these creatures as well. But to no avail, the creature just ran away from them. Like, did the bullets go into it or bounce off it? I assume bounce off them, because I don't think bulletproof would... I don't think they would call it bulletproof if the bullets were going into it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it didn't matter what time of the day it was. The corpses lived, like, both day and night, so you could always see them. But it was always kind of slightly overcast because it was a dense forest, you know what I mean? Yeah, Quite kind of dark always. Yeah. 
Apparently some of the creatures in this encounter would also throw rocks and stuff at the troops. Um, a lot of the troops thought that it was some kind of, some strange breed of monkey. I was gonna say. That they were not familiar with, uh, but there's nothing in the area. There's no monkeys in that area or anything. And they didn't seem to die whenever they were shot, so it doesn't really sound like a monkey. Some of the theories that I've heard for this have been Bigfoot. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Because Bigfoot is a changeling. It can change its shape. Really? Yeah, he can change into people and hide in plain sight, and that's why it's so hard to find him. Yeah, but, I've read about a few of them that can do stuff like control ghosts and shit. Yeah. I, I think mean, like there was if, one on that show um, that could turn into a little girl. I mean, if you think about it, if, if a Bigfoot was in this area and it was scaring off the locals by turning into corpses, and the locals, locals definitely didn't visit these areas, then it had been working. And it would probably just continue to do that when it saw new people coming in. You know? Do you think like there's subspecies of cryptids? Like Bigfoot would be and like Yeti would be a subspecies of Bigfoot and whatever the hell is in Vietnam is too. I think that makes sense. This one's definitely described as like all black creature as well, so it is like not like the brown Bigfoot in America. Like bears. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Black bears, brown bears, polar bears, Yeti, Bigfoot, this thing. Damn, that makes sense. This is making too much sense. <laughs> Wait, was We're it just connections. a bear? <laughs> I don't think it was a bear. I mean, are there bears in Vietnam? Hold on, let me search there that. There is Asian bears. Plus, like, if you shoot a bear, it's not going to give a fuck. It will. Absolutely, it will. No, because there's, like, <sighs> tigers and shit there. You can shoot a tiger 13 times in the head in and it In Vietnam, stop. there are more than a thousand bears. Mostly the Asiatic black bear. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I solved it. We solved it, man. It's just bears. But uh, well, damn. You well, sound so disappointed. <laughs> I guess it's not corpses then. Uh, apparently, the sun bear is there as well. I didn't know that. You ever see the sun bear? Are they those creepy ones? Yeah, they're the really freaky looking ones. I fucking hate those things. They look like they're wearing saggy pants. Man, sun bears are freaky. Yeah, I could see how someone would think that's a corpse. Hold on. I gotta send this picture to you and tell me it's... Is that the sun bear when it's no, standing No, no. I'll send you another one. Tell me this doesn't look like a corpse. Jesus Christ, that's terrifying. I I think we solved Bigfoot. Well, at least the Vietnamese one. I don't know if those, those things are in America. I don't like it. It looks like a human that's been, like, disformed. Yeah, it does. It looks very like a disformed human. Like, they don't have those in America. So an American soldier in the woods seen that thing. That thing's cracked out. That thing's having <laughs> I mean, imagine if you saw that coming at you in the woods. That's the face I have when I wake up in the morning never had a bag yet. <laughs> Do you know what that face is? That's the exact face you have when you're staying at a friend's house and you wake up before them and you just lie there. So, moving on to the next story. Um, this one takes place in Switzerland. And it's technically not a ghost story, but... It's almost more terrifying. This is just, I found this in my research and I thought it was really, really interesting and horrifying. Though Switzerland tried to stay neutral during World War II, the country was repeatedly swayed by both Allied and Axis power. When Germany instigated, UK retaliated, sending one British unit to a secluded village within the Swiss Alps. However, just a few weeks after their arrival, scraps of food supplies started disappearing, the goods were being stolen, not long after that, children went missing in the village, including one private Reginald from the British troops. These disappearances led to the story that a monster resided in the mountains. So the British troops arrived, stuff started going missing. Food started going missing, their supplies started going missing. Then children started going missing. 
and then one of the British troops, Reginald, went missing himself. How young was the British troop? Because I know like they let like 13-year-olds join. I'm not sure. It never said how young he was, but uh, one night, the soldiers on patrol saw a figure through a window of one of the houses, and the figure gave chase. And they chased it all the way to the outskirts of the village, where the figure jumped into a man-made cave. So a cave that it dug, he dug out himself. So shots were fired from either side, just straight into the cave. So anything that was in there was being hit. And after a resounding silence, soldiers entered the cave, where they found Reginald with a bullet hole straight through his heart and surrounded by the missing children's half-eaten bodies. So it was Private Reginald who was actually stealing children from this village and eating them in a cave. Like, I thought maybe he'd just gone mental and gone AWOL. I didn't expect him to be child cannibal. Yeah, eating... This is so strange. What did you see in Switzerland of every all places that would drive you to cannibalism? Was, do you think it was the war that affected him that much? Was there? Yeah, but like there was so little going on there. They only sent one small group. It was just a small town. It was only a small little village, you know, secluded village up in the Swiss Alps. So yeah, but was, I'm saying like if there was any actual fighting, they would have sent more. So it was obviously somewhere where there was not much going on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what brought him to start eating children. It could have been like, God knows. God, God actually knows. I don't know. This is something that's so strange. So what do you think of those? Do you think that like because of the stress and everything else that comes with war, all the mental abuse that comes with war and the fatigue that it causes people to see these things? Or do you think that because there's so much energy built up during the war that it releases it releases the energy out of the body and you leave residual energy behind like what one would you be kind of more leaning towards I could see it being like because it is one of the most stressful things human beings can do yeah but at the same time like there's always stories in like war because like it's a renowned fact that soldiers like to bullshit when they're like in spare time yeah, well, I think one of the most common stories is, um, oh, I saw this guy yesterday. He helped me with something. Oh, that guy died two days ago. That seems to be the, the one that I came across the most that repeated itself over and over again. But that's not even just a war thing either. It's, it's a very common thing with sailors as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a similar situation. I mean, sailing is still basically quarantining, but on the sea, you know? <laughs> no, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's still very stressful. Which one which one stands out to you the most? Probably the regiment, but I actually really like the stuff about the orphanage. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's freaky. I would love to Although go on a tour really there. I really like the plain one. Yeah, the plain one's just it's plain freaky, man. You know. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but like the plain one, like there is a very 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 small chance that a plane could land itself. But, but it's- not if it's going fast, and not if like. They said it was coming in hot, so it was coming in fast, and it like it would need it a broke. big it, like, ass it, field. It, it stopped itself, you know. If there was nobody on board, it wouldn't have been able to stop. It probably would have lifted back up again. <laughs> yeah, it might have. <laughs> yeah, that one is freaky, man. Especially because it's supposed to be such a big plane as well. It's like it was called the Flying Fortress, you know. I'm pretty sure they were basically just like two buses strapped together with wings on it. I'm gonna look up a picture of what it looks like. Was yeah, it B-17? oh damn, that's a big ass plane. Uh, it's a B-17. Sorry. Cool. Thanks for joining us again this week, guys. And again, if you have anything 
ghost stories or alien stories or anything paranormal that you'd like us to read out on the podcast send it in to us at paranormalhotlinepodcast at gmail.com and if you're listening to us on Apple please give us a review if you listen to us on Spotify please give us a follow and you can follow us on Twitter at paranormalhl thanks for joining us guys and we'll see you next week thank you <laughs>